Good morning, everyone. We are in Matthew 6, chapter 6, verse 11 today. Well, let's pray before we start. Lord Jesus, again, we're so grateful to come into this building this Sunday and to be able to sing songs of praise to you, Lord. We're thankful for the, the, gift of the, the gifts of the mothers that we have here today, Lord, the gifts of the mothers that we've had in our lives be it our own mothers or those that loved us as if they were our mothers, mothers-in-laws and sisters and daughters, Lord, uh, that have just prayed for us for years. So we're very grateful for that. Lord, I ask you please be with us now as we look at your word and let us all have ears to hear what's in the text today, Lord. We love you, and it's in your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. We're in the Lord's Prayer, and uh, last couple weeks we touched on the first half of it. The Lord tells us when we pray, we pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. This text is, is split in two distinct parts. The first uh, 9 and 10 uh, is all directed towards God. We've, we've seen that over the course of the last few weeks. Hallowed be your name. When we go into prayer, we are talking to God, the, the creator of this universe, and we hallow his name by entering into his presence and bringing our petitions and our prayers to him. That's how Jesus said you started off. Acknowledge our Father who art in heaven. We focus now on you as we bring these petitions to you. We hollow his name. And then we say, your kingdom come. Not my kingdom come. Not build my kingdom. Not enhance my kingdom. But your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not my will. Now, so often we, so often I, uh, have, have, I want my will to be done. Uh, I've mentioned that Jan and I talk a lot, a lot more often lately about retirement, what we're going to do, and, and it's been the gamut. I mean, we've talked about, you know, keeping the house in Yucca Valley, buying one in Michigan, and then Michigan maybe not working out so well. We talked about Montana, keeping it, and, and we thought, well, we'll go with the fifth wheel. And Jan said to me the other day in a text, she said, God's got it all under control. And I said, I know He does. I'm telling Him what I want. You know? <laughs> How often do we do that, though? I didn't say, Our Father which art in heaven. Please point to Michigan or Montana. You know, I said, Lord, I want to go to Michigan or I want to go to Montana. Your kingdom come. Now my retirement's first. Your will be done. Your will be done. Do you want his will to be done in your life, in your situation? Do we, we come across things so often that just they're difficult. And we say, Lord, I, I can't get through this. His will be done. You are in that particular position because of his divine sovereign grace and will. He doesn't put you in a spot to, to wear you down, break you, destroy you, crush you. He puts you in there for a reason. And you go through seasons in life. It's not all roses. It's not all uh, you know, cloud, puppy clouds and joy. There's things in our life that are difficult. Those difficult things in our life are not out of his will, not out of his control. It's a time of testing. 
It's a, it's a, it might be a time for you to take a step back and not be so distracted by all the things that you've been doing. You know, and, and I'm living proof of this. You know, working 60 hours a week, living 125 miles away from my house, coming home for the weekend, I, I get one day a week that's not work-related, and that's Saturday. And I build my sermon all day Saturday and Saturday night. So the only time, and I'm not, I'm not saying look at how good I am, I'm just saying, the only time I get is Sunday afternoon. I, when I get home, I have lunch, and I disconnect. And I find out I don't care what sports is on, I'm watching it. I don't care if it's a team I don't like, if it's the only one on, I'm watching it. And I just kind of decompress. And sometimes I wallow in that, thinking, Lord, your will be done. Let me, let me retire now. Let me, let me have a month off now. But he has me doing these things for a reason. He is growing me into a better man than I would have been had I not been pushed like this. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying, hey, look at me and all I do. I'm just saying that there, when I look at my life, I see that he's got a plan. He has an absolute plan for my life. And you know what the neat thing is? I don't know what it is, but I trust and I obey. And I look towards him and I say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name in my life and in the direction you're taking me. You can do the same thing. No matter where you are in, in life, no matter where you are in that cycle of you're on the top of the world or you're at the bottom of the, the valley, you know, he's got you. Our Father, your Father, my Father, who art in heaven, has control over our lives. Now, there's, there's four things I want to take out of the verse we're in today. Give us this day our daily bread. There's, there's four things here. And this week in the bulletin, I put the, uh, a sheet with all the scripture, scripture references. For the last three weeks, people have been writing and asking and saying, what, what was those scriptures again? And I, I can't remember. I have to go back and look. So I thought this week I'm going to try an experiment. If you don't like those things, let me know. If you do like them, let me know, and I'll continue on or not. But within those, I might be thinking on, on some of those today. But the first point we, we have learned here is that how important God's grace is in our lives. When, when he sets up the Lord's Prayer and he says, give us this day, give. Everything that we get is given to us by a sovereign God. Everything. And he starts out this, this verse 11 with give. I come to you, Father. I hollow your name. I want your kingdom to come. Give. Give. James 1 says this, every gift, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. Every gift that we have in our lives, everything that I have in my life is a great, gracious gift from a sovereign Father, hallowed be his name. He has, he has overpowered me and overwhelmed me with gifts in my life. And it, it's not monetary, it's not you know, physical stuff, it's, it's my kids are good, they're not great, they're not bad, they're good, you know, the, the car starts, it's not good, it's not bad, it starts. That's a gift from God. It says, James says, every, not just some of the good gifts, but every good gift, every perfect gift, the gift given to you by God is perfect. You might not see it at that moment. He does. He sees beyond today. He sees beyond our situation now, and he says that it's a perfect gift for what you have, for what you need, for where you're going. Every good and perfect gift is a gift from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. Every gift that you have, every, every aspect of your life is a, the breath in your lungs. 
The fact you woke up today and you could come here to a church, that's a gracious gift from our Heavenly Father. His sovereign grace that wake up this morning and go. Paul, when he's talking to Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, he says, Each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For no one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom and another the utterance of knowledge and according to the same Spirit, another faith, another Spirit. To others he gives gifts of healing by one Spirit and another working of miracles and another prophecy, another to the ability to distinguish between spirits and other various kinds of tongues, another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You have a special gift from God. Your gift in, in this world is different than my gift. He has, he has given me the ability to be able to stand up in front of a group of people and speak. And not, my knees aren't shaking and I'm not nervous. I don't get sweaty. But I'll tell you the truth. When I was a young guy, when I was in my 20s, I'm probably about 21 or 2, and you, some of you know the story, I could not walk out into public. I could not go into a market. I could not go into a church. I had to make sure that I knew where the door was and I knew where the chair was. And that corner chair had better be mine because I'm not coming in if it's not. I was scared to death. I had uh, panic attacks and, and, and uh, agoraphobia. I, my job at 21, I was a salesman. I, I used to have to fly from LA to Sacramento all the time. And this was back in the days when you could smoke in the back half of the airplane. It was the smoking section. And the front half wasn't. It made no sense to me at the time. But, I didn't care. I'm sitting in the back with all the smokers, because that's where the door is. I couldn't get on an airplane. So then the boss decides he's going to send me to Nebraska, to our corporate headquarters. And they decided in Nebraska that they're going to fly me around the state and show me all the properties and things that they have. On a little jet about this big, a thingy, airplane thingy, about this big, and there was the pilot, and there was me and another guy in the back seat. And the pilot turns around like this, and you could feel the airplane move when he swung the switch. I mean, I was, and we're, I'm looking down, all I see is ground. And I'm starting to panic. He cured me of that. I was sitting in a church. It was a Pentecostal church in, in um, Westminster. And I, I, I can remember the smells. I can remember the sounds. It was the very moment that that was broken in my life. It, it was like he spoke to me, and I heard him. He said, you're not going to throw up, you're not going to die, and if you're going to throw up, you're going to hit the lady in front of you. I remember that. That's crazy to remember something. But that's what, at that moment, I said, if I die or if I throw up in this place, it's on the back of her head, I'm done. And I did. And from that moment on, I could get on airplanes, I could go on elevators, I could go into churches. I could speak in public without, without freaking out. That being said, that's the gift he's given me. Now, some of you have a different gift. Music. I, that, that is a gift. Singing, that's a gift. And if I tried to play the piano, it wouldn't work. And if I, you know if I tried to sing. It's not a gift. All that to say is you have a gift, and it was given to you. Our Father, who art in heaven, give me this day, and he's given it to you. He's given you this gift. I don't know what it is. I can't replicate it, and I can't take your place in ministry doing it. That's the gift that God has given you. Every good and every gracious gift was given to you. Ephesians, when he put Paul's right to the church at Ephesus. It is for by grace, God's grace, God's sovereign grace, that you have been saved. What a gift is that? You have been saved through faith, not by works, not by good deeds, not by doing good stuff. You have been saved, that good, gracious gift from God in heaven. 
through faith. And it is not of your own doing. You didn't save yourself. He did. There's, what is that for him? That he saved you. That he saved me, a wretched sinner. It's not of your own doing, but this is a gift of God. Give us this day. Give us this day. The biggest gift he can give you is salvation. Without Christ's gift on the cross, where would we be? On the back of the plane. But he has come to this earth, given of his own body, on a cross for those like us. That is a gift from above. 1 Peter 4.10 says, And each, everyone, not some, each of us has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. He saved you. You serve others. How do we do that? Our Father who art in heaven. Pray for each other. That's the next point down. Pray for each other. When you, when, when you think of someone in the church or somebody in your family or some friend or some co-worker or something, and you're having a bad day, the idea is don't go to, we'll see here in a second, don't go to God in prayer and say, help me today. I'll use me as an example. It's better to use me as an example instead of Martin every Sunday. Let's say I'm having a bad day. And I'm in L.A., and it's smoggy, and it's traffic, and the, the barrio is just weighing in on me, and it's chaos, and it's, it's a day-to-day like this in there, truly. And I'm having a bad day. And you're having a bad day out here in paradise, but you're having a bad day. The idea is, our Father, who art in heaven, Give us this day our daily bread. Us is plural. Give us this day. Not me. I'm, I Don't pray. I'm not telling you to pray for each other. Don't pray for your own needs. But I'm thinking, give us. Give Mike a good day. Give Mike a blessing in L.A. today. Give, give us. And now Mike's going to be blessed in L.A. Get, now it's my turn. I'm having a bad day out here in the desert. Give us both of us a good day. And if we take our minds sometimes off of us and off of self and off of our immediate need and we look to each other in the church and say, give us, Lord, all of us. Give, give Martin this week a good day as he's going to the post office every day for the church. Give, give Shirley a good day Thursday and Friday. She's putting together the bulletins. Give us. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, that's when you try to earn your own salvation. It's, 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 you, don't, you can't earn it. But Paul says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God. Give us this day, this free gift of God is eternal life. Pray for that one. Give us eternal life. And he has conquered that on the cross. He has provided that on the cross for those that have reached out. He didn't, he didn't die for... The universe didn't die for the world, didn't die for everybody. He died for those that turned to him in faith. Turn to him and say, Lord Jesus, accept me a broken sinner. He did, and this is a hard one to explain, but let's just pick on somebody else. Uh, some guy in L.A. that doesn't know who Christ is. Christ did not die in the sense that this guy's going to be saved just because Christ went to the cross. This guy in L.A. has to do something. He has to turn to Christ in faith. 
when he's it's effectually called by God. And he, he turns and says, I accept, Lord Jesus, your gift on the cross. That's the only work he had to do is turn and say, save me. And he'll be saved. <clears throat> but it's a gift of God. You're called by God and you're saved by Christ's gift on the cross. Second point is the lesson God's gracious love towards us. Give us plural. Give us our needs to be met. Our, us needs to be met. In the family, in friends, at work. Give us others in our sphere of influence. Give us our families, our friends, unbelievers. What gift do we give them? What gracious gift? What sign of love do we give unbelievers? that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. What a gift that is. We've received that gift. We are saved by grace. We have answered the call. But I dare say in our circle of friends, there's probably a couple that haven't. Give us this day. Me and my friend that's not a believer. Give us this day. You know, the only prayer that God hears out of an unbeliever, the only one, you know, I have a lot of friends that are unbelievers, and they they text me or they'll call me and say, can you play, pray for you know, Sally? She's going to have a surgery or something this week. They can't pray because they don't believe. But they think that somehow, me as a Christian, I can pray their way in for Aunt Nellie. The only prayer that God hears from that sinner is, Lord, I repent. I turn to you, accept me. He hears that one. But a sinner, unsaved sinner, can pray until the cows come home. And some things might come into a place random, dumb luck maybe, but there was, God didn't get involved in that prayer. He wants to hear that first one. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I repent and turn to faith in you. And from that point forward, he hears that prayer. And then we, you know, we talk about sanctification a lot here at this church. When you become a Christian, you're over here and you don't even know if the front of the book is the New Testament or the back of the book is the concordance or you don't know none of that stuff. And you work your way through life. You work your way through your Christian journey. You, you want to go from this point here where you, you just turned in faith and said, Lord Jesus, accept me, and you're being worked on and sanctified through, through the end of the walk through your life until you finally come to meet Christ face to face when you take your last breath on this earth. That's when you become fully sanctified. But the, the time in between, you're fully justified, you're fully a, a believer, you're fully his, but boy, it's a struggle from this point here to this point there. And the last thing in the world I believe is Christian perfectionism. I don't think you're going to make it. You're not going to be perfect. And I, I use my own example, I use my own life, I use my own stories. I don't tell them all, because I'm not there. I'm in here somewhere. I'm being sanctified. I'm working towards final sanctification. I stumble, and I fall. And I, I tell you, in, in August, when it's, I don't have time to breathe, you know, it's 80 hours a week, and it's crazy law professors, and it's you know, law students, that, you know, they just, the minute they get into law school, they think they're Clarence Darrow, you know, they just, they're right there. And for four, six weeks, they're on me, on me. And then I think, oh, no, it's Saturday, 8 o'clock. What am I going to preach on? That has happened. That has happened. I know the text. I know where I'm going to go with it. I just haven't had time to get to it. And I'll tell you, that is the, the worst thing in, in my life is to, to say that. Because Martin fills in for me when I know that I can't spend enough time this week, prepping for next week, 
So I say, Martin, I know three weeks from now, I've got something going on Saturday, I won't be able to prep properly. Can you fill in for me? That's why he preps or he stands in for me an awful lot. Or not, not as much as I'd probably like you to, but he stepped in for me. But the coming up into this pulpit unprepared, the weight and the guilt of the world is on my shoulders. I don't like doing that. And when that happens, I don't feel at that moment that I'm being cast out into the pits of hell somewhere. He is gracious to me. And he gives me the words to preach on Sunday morning. Paul in Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying, praying all times in the Spirit. He's, he's telling the church, he's telling us, he's telling me, pray all the time in the Spirit. He's not saying pray 24-7 constantly, but saying, when you pray, you better be praying in the Spirit and not on your own. You better not be coming up with your own ideas and say, yeah, I got this covered, God. I'll be retiring in three years. Follow along. All times that you are praying, do it in the Spirit. With all prayer, and this, this word, uh, prayer, and then the next one is supplication. Prayer is just kind of a general word. Uh, a beg, or beseech, or, or uh, ask. It's used uh, many times talking about people. Like, uh, Martin, I beg you, I beseech you, I pray that you come in and have dinner with me, right? The next one, supplication. This is a, it's based on a bigger request. And every time in the New Testament the word supplication is used, it's always directed towards God. You don't beg, you don't uh, beseech, you don't interact, you supplicate to God. You say, I'm laying this before you. This is, this is, uh, this is an intimate request from me to you, God. It's a, it's a different level of the word prayer. So with all your prayer, with all your pleading, with all your beseeching, and your supplication, your prayer, your petition towards God, to that end, keep alert. And with all perseverance, making supplications directed towards God for who? For all the saints. You are, you are making a pleading supplication to God the Father for the saints, for each other. Lord Jesus, I'm having a rotten day. Help my brother. Lord, help me. To that end, keep alert. With all perseverance, when you supplicate, when you beseech, when you go to God, perseverance. Don't do it once and go. Don't say, I covered that in prayer, Jan. It's Minnesota. Cover it. Perseverance. Lord, direct my path. Lord, you know where I want to go. Lord, help me make this decision. Making all supplications for all the saints. And then James in 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins one to another, and pray for one another. That's a directive from James to the church, to us. Pray for one another. Why? So that you can be healed. Isn't that interesting? James didn't say, pray for one another, or pray for yourself so that you can be healed. You need a healing? This is the t what I take out of this. If you need a healing, if you need to be uh, uh, heal of a sickness, uh, you know, whatever it might be, your checking account's low and you don't have to make rent, whatever that need is. Pray for one another so that your needs may be taken care of. So the thought there is, I have a need. I'm going to pray for Martin so that Martin's, his, his heart heals or the, the operation he had on his, on his head heals quickly. 
And by me doing that, what James is saying is, I will be healed. Why? Because the, the, the spotlight's taken off of me and my needs, my selfishness maybe. And I'm con more concerned about Martin getting well. And therefore I pray for Martin, and it says so plainly in the text, so that I may be healed. And then he says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. A righteous person. A person clothed in the right clothing of Jesus Christ has great power at his working. Paul, when he's writing to the Philippians, he says in, in 4.6, do not be anxious about anything. I got working on that this week. Don't be anxious about anything, Paul says. I'm anxious. Where will I be when I retire? Which state? Or will I stay in Yucca Valley? Or will I not retire? I don't know. And I get anxious. I, I, I'm the kind of guy that plans things out. I, I know how many steps it is to get from the train to the top of the, the landing to get to work. I know, I know exactly how much time that's going to take. I know that if I don't have X amount of money in my checking account come Thursday when the rent's due, I got problems. I know I, I just need, I need to have things all lined up. Don't be anxious. I'm anxious. But in everything, even though you're anxious, it says in everything, my anxiety, I stress out. But in everything, by prayer, a general rule for prayer, and supplication. So when I'm praying for you, I'm anxious. Lord, help me with my anxiety. Calm my heart. Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Don't be anxious. Pray and supplicate in thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Don't carry the load yourself. Now, that, this says, Mike, Mike, make your request known to God. Mike, do not be anxious. Mike, in all your prayer, in all your supplication, with all thanksgiving, in your anxiety, let it be made known to God. Lord Jesus, I'm anxious. Lord Jesus, I'm scared. We saw that last summer when we went through the, the Psalms. You know, I jumped around in the Psalms a lot last year. It wasn't a track one through you know, 50. It was, there was a theme. It, it was to see a real man, David, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of people chasing him, and in the midst of warriors surrounding him. I'm sure David was anxious in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then what happens? You not be anxious. You pray. You supplicate. You do it in thanksgiving. And as a result of that, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Christ Jesus. In the midst of the anxiety and the stress and life, the peace of God will survive and, and magnify in that environment. And you know, many times I, I've told you over the last couple of years a story about you know that last month with my father before he was passing. I landed on that text an awful lot. You're holding the hand of a, a, a man, a, a pillar in my life. And I was graced by the Lord Jesus Christ to walk my father from this earth to his home. He graced, I, and I try to explain this to my family, he, 
God graced our family, giving us four weeks' notice that my dad was going home. You know, the last week we talked about that gentleman who made that, that choice to go out and get drunk and ran in somebody and killed him. That family got no notice. Dad went out, and Dad never came home. God's grace in me walking my father through the last month of his life, I will never be able to repay that. Last time, that, that subject is Matthew 5.44 says, But I say to you, you love your enemies. You pray for those who persecute you. That's a hard one to do, huh? Close your eyes. Think about that enemy you got. We all have one. Pray for that person. We don't get persecuted too much here in, in the States, but think about the poor Coptic Christians over in Iraq and Egypt. This was written to them, Coptic Christians. ISIS chasing after them, capturing them, beheading them. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That's not easy. That's what we're to do. Third point in this text here. Give us this day our daily bread. Trust. Give us this day. And in the original, it's this day. Everything I need for this day, for this very moment, for this very hour, give us everything I need to sustain you. We're completely praying on being a dependent, on asking God to give us what is appropriate for our needs, for our daily needs. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean <clears throat> on your own understanding. Trust in him. Psalm 56, 3 and 4. When I'm afraid, put your name in this one. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? When I'm afraid, when I'm anxious, turn to him and pray. 1 John 4.18 There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Proverbs 3, 1 through 35, this is part of it. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace. They will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Give us this day. I trust you for this day to give me what I need. Psalm 13.5 but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. 
This one. I love this one. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. And this one here was written for me, about me, because of me. This one I need to drill into. This one I need to sink into my heart. This one I need to put on the headboard of my, my bed. I need to put it on the, the ceiling so I can stare at it at night. I can put it on my steering wheel so I don't forget it. For I know the plans I have for you, Mike. When you're anxious, Mike, when you're scared, Mike, when you don't know what to do, Mike, when the world is crashing in down on, the, on top of you, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you can call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will hear you. You will seek me and you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all nations and all places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you to exile. When I'm in the midst of the turmoil, when I don't know where to turn, when I don't know what to do, when I'm anxious, trust in me, for I have a plan for you. That is for you guys too. Not just me. You can put your name in there. He knows you. He has a plan for you. He declares it for you. Fourth one. This one's a lesson in contentment. Another one for me. Be content. Give us this day our daily bread for survival. Just, Lord, give me what I need today just to get through today. And he will. When you pray this, if you pray this in the morning, Lord, give us this day our daily bread for the day that's coming up ahead of you. Where, when I step out of bed in the morning, give me this daily bread that I need to get through today. If you're saying your prayers at night and you're laying your head down on the pillow, Lord, give me this day my daily bread for what I'm going to face tomorrow. It's all-encompassing. And honestly, there's, we go through seasons when praying isn't easy. When you know you're sinning and you're not repenting, or you have something in your life that's keeping you from God, you can't muster a big, long theological dissertation prayer. Try this one. Lord, give me today my daily bread. Get me through today. Get me, you know, I, I, a friend of mine, she's seven years yesterday sober. What a, what a huge thing that is in her life. And there was many times that I'm certain, she said, Lord, just today. I don't care about tomorrow. I'm not worried about tomorrow, Lord. Give me my daily bread to get me through this next hour. We can pray that way. When we don't know what to say, Lord, help. That's a short one. That's an easy one to memorize. Help. And he will. I'll wrap it up with this. So we have, in, in that prayer, Four things we have God's grace, God's love, God's trust, and commitment or contentment. Proverbs 38 and 9 Remove far from me falsehood and lying. <clears throat> Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me 
with the food that is needful to me, lest I be full and deny you, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. Give me what I need for just today. In Paul in Philippians 4, 11 and 12, he says, Not that I am speaking of being in need. He's content. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Whatever situation I'm in, to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. And in every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. And in any of those situations, I am content. I need to get to that point. I am not always content. <clears throat> you know, I, I, it's just a simple thing. I get to the end of the life cycle on my Ford, and I'm not content with it anymore. I got to go out and get the Toyota. So I got 72 months more to learn contentment. The writer of Hebrews in 13:5 says, "Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have." For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be content in knowing that. He is never going to leave you and forsake you. Even though he knows me, even though he knows I get anxious, even though he knows I'm not always content, his keeping me is not contingent on me being content and not anxious. He sees over all of that. But my life would be so much easier if I could not be anxious. Be content. Paul writing to Timothy in 6, 6 says, Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment. There's great gain in contentment. For we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of this world. But if we have food, and if we have clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare into a, a many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction because they're not content. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs because they weren't content with God's gracious gifts upon their life, with what we have. There's got to be more. It's got to be better. Got to have the toilet instead of the Ford. Be content. And we'll close with this. We have God's grace, God's love, trust in God, and contentment. And give us this day our daily bread. God promises to meet all of our needs. Every one of them. He doesn't promise to give us the best of everything. You know, that pastor in Atlanta that wanted $65 million from the congregation with that nice plan. I just want my Toyota to work. <laughs> he told us in the prayer to ask him to do it. Make your petitions known to him. Make your desires known to him. Again, Lord, you know I want to retire. You know 62 and a half can't get here fast enough for that. I, I don't want to wish my life away, but I really want 62 and a half to get here. I've been doing the same thing for 40 years. I'm ready for a stop. I need to be content the fact that I have a job. I need to be content the fact that that paycheck cashes every two weeks. I have to be content that the car 
gets me to work. Lord, but you know the desires of my heart. I lay those before you, Lord. I will be content in where he leads me. He will answer us in many ways, and not always our wants, but our needs. He knows what we need for our daily bread. We don't all the time, but he does. So if we pray to him, give us this day our daily bread to get me through today, I don't know what that is. He does. I won't be anxious. I will be content. And at the end of the day, how it turns out. Trust in the Lord. Trust in his love. Trust in, in, in the contentment that he can give you. And most of all, trust that you are secure in his hands forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know the work that needs to be done in my heart. And Lord, you know the needs, the needs that need to be worked out in everybody's hearts here. So Lord, I ask you to please give us this day our daily bread that we can see that your hand of love is involved in our lives. When we're anxious, Lord, I ask you to please calm us. When we're not content, Lord, I ask you to please show us how to be content in you. And Lord, for those that are, are feeling the pains of, of life around them today, I ask you to just bring your love and peace that surpasses all of our understanding into those situations, Lord. And Lord, today, in closing for the moms, Lord, we're so grateful for moms in our lives. And some of us are, are heartbroken today that we don't have our moms with us any longer. I ask you to please give us peace on those two. Give us contentment in that situation, Lord, that we will see them again someday. For the young moms, Lord, in our lives, they bring some of us older folks along to, to nurture them, to help them, to be good grandparents to the grandkids, Lord that our ministry doesn't stop when our kids leave the nest, Lord, that our ministry changes and grows, that we can be pillars of faith in families in this church, Lord. We love you, and it's in your precious name I pray. Amen. Let's stand, and we will be singing, I will...